Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Good morning, fellows. My name is Lauren. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater and restrictor. And um, so good to see you all here. Um, I'm nervous. I haven't spoken in a really, really long time. Um, I was actually kind of like prepping in a dream state last night. (laughs) It was just like, whoa. And, you know, and I got these notes. So I, and, you know, I don't, you know, I just, I just want to kind of be genuine and just, you know, I don't know if I'm going to use them or not, but um, um, so, yeah, I'm just going to tell my story. Um, I, uh, which, which um, really starts with my ancestors and my family of origin. Um, I am like, um, in the psychology field. So, you know, I'll just qualify and just say that this is just my experience and my understanding take what you like and leave the rest. I hope I don't, um, infuse it with too much, um, technicality, (laughs) psychology stuff, but, um, you know, I've spent my whole life basically trying to alleviate my own suffering and becoming a therapist has been part of that. And it's kind of works in conjunction with my recovery and my spiritual practice. So, um, so um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, first I want to say like, you know, I, my, my parents, um, I mean, my ancestors immigrated from different places. Um, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, like I I kind of think of addiction as stemming from different traumas. Okay. And, um, there's a lot of trauma in immigration. And, um, so when I think about my, my story and, you know, rooted in my family background, I think about like, wow, what, you know, what makes a person willing to leave everything and everyone they know to come to the new world, you know, like that is, that's pretty huge. And it's really, and, and, you know, uh, when my ancestors came here, you know, it's not, uh, it's an arduous journey to get to America. So, um, you know, I, you know, my Italian ancestors were involved in organized crime in Italy. And so I, I kind of wonder if, you know, there was a fleeing from that, um, I kind of wonder about the pathology of my ancestors being involved in, in that kind of thing to begin with. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so there's that, but there's like dysfunction in my family. And so, um, you know, my, my mother was uh, mistreated. Um, there was favoritism in the family. Um, there was cruelty, um, abuse, um, on my father's side, my father's father was an alcoholic. Um, my father was an alcoholic and a a tobacco addict. Um, my mother was a sex and love addict. Um, so there's, you know, there's a pattern. And when I first, 
discovered that I was an addict, I had no idea that it had anything to do. I just thought like, wow, okay, I knew I was fucked up and now I have confirmation that I'm fucked up. And I, and it like, and it's all my fault, right? So it was helpful for me to understand that this, that this was, that I was a product of my family, of my lineage. And, um, and in my recovery, um, just knowing that like, helps me to kind of orient myself of like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tra- change the course of a river. Okay. That my lineage is a river and everything that I do in my lifetime is changing the course of a river that's been there for God knows how long, but at least a few generations, that's a huge job, you know? So I, I would like to take this moment to welcome you all into some self-compassion about what we're actually trying to do here, you know, what this job is, you know. Um, So um, in my family of origin, um, my brother was very abusive towards me and um, I, I, you know, cried for help. I tried to get my parents to make it stop and they, they didn't or couldn't, you know, Um, So I had, you know, I had an experience uh, of, um, you know, not being, uh, that's five, okay, Um, not being heard, not being, you know, asking for help and not receiving it, Um, kind of, you know, experience of disconnection in my family. There wasn't a lot of um, ability for relationship in my family of origin. And so... um, um, and, and there was isolation in that. There was isolation and there was a lot of dissociation because, you know, I was suffering. I was suffering and I was adapting to the suffering with dissociation. Okay. So that's like primed me so that when I reached adolescence, was all of a sudden I just blossomed into compulsive overeating and dieting. And so what I was doing, um, so this was about age 12, 13, you know, I would, um, I had a pattern of coming home from school and making like, um, you know, eating like lots and lots of cereal, eating like basically the equivalent of at least a meal and then eating dinner with my family. And then in my family eating actually more than my father at the time. Okay. Um, people not finishing things, me finishing things for them. Um, some of my behaviors were, um, and often it was like coming home from school, I would just like, kind of like, just erupt into a a binge, you know, um, there were like making concoctions of like, you know, basically I was into sugar, starch and grease. Okay. So, and I could take the very basics of those ingredients and just put something together and, and eat it, you know, Um, you know, eating frozen things, eating things out of the trash, you you know, the deal, Um, you know, and, and feeling like crap, like really feeling like shit, feeling sick. Um, And, um, and the loathing. So it was almost like the, the compulsive overeating was like this, it was like this vehicle for my self-loathing, 
And um, I just hated my, hated my body. I hated myself, you know, getting into this cycle of sort of like feeling like I should be able to control this and I can't control this. And so every time I'm humiliated and I lose control, the self-loathing happens. So it was just all wound up into this thing. And then there was the dieting. So it was like, sort of like, okay, well, I can't be, I can't be fat. Like I'm afraid of being fat. You know, I have to get love. I have to get love. I have to get attention out in the world. So I have to, I have to make sure I look okay. So, um, I used diet pills, which were speed basically at the time. So there was dieting, diet pills, um, a pattern of like, you know, binging and then starving. So I would binge after school and then maybe like not eat all day until I got home and binged, you know? Um, so there was always a pattern of restriction or compensating for the binging. Um, so I was um, depressed as an adolescent. Uh, my mother was having an extramarital affair. My father was drinking. I, you know, I had no um, experience of like uh, re what a family should be. I'm going to say that. Okay. Um, and, you know, I've heard that like, you know, our parents are sort of like our relationship with our parents is sort of like teaches us to how to have a relationship with God. Right. And so what I learned from my parents, right, is like, you know, either there is no God or God is unavailable. You know, um, there's nothing for me in family. You know, so I, I, you know, so compulsive overeating, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 13. Um, and, and as far as I knew, every, you know, all my needs needed to be met outside of my family. So, um, so anyway, this pattern of compulsive reading started when I was 12 and, um, it went until I was about, um, uh, 14 or 15 and, um, and I bottomed out when I was about, uh, 15, 15 years old, um, I had been on the Scarsdale diet. I lost 25 pounds in a month. So my top weight at the time was probably like 140 something, right? For, um, which was a lot for me. So that's 10. Okay. So went on the Scarsdale diet, you know, which is like starvation. Okay. Um, lost 25 pounds in a month. And then I was working in a restaurant in the dessert section, no less. So anything that was broken, we couldn't serve, right? So we just broke stuff. <laughs> and I, in one summertime, because this was a summer job, I gained all of that weight back again and, and, and more. And I was literally busting out of my clothes, like in a, what felt like in a very public, humiliating way, this rapid weight gain. And um, that was the bottom for me. So, um, I, um, there was somebody that I knew in high school who, um, was, had gotten into OA. And so I was, um, I was 12 stepped when I was 16 and, um, I went to visit this, uh, friend of mine. So she had graduated and she was in college living in a dorm and I went to visit her at Thanksgiving time. Right. And she, um, she was in the program 
And she was like, oh, we were, we were going to go to a salad bar for Thanksgiving. And I was just like, what? Like, like, I was just like, I didn't even know it was possible not to completely binge on Thanksgiving food. Like, like it was like, she had superpowers. Okay. So that was like the attraction for me is like, wow, all I want to do is control my food. Right. She's got control. And like, what is she doing? I'm down for this. Right. And I went to a meeting. Yeah. I don't remember much about the meeting, but I remember like holding hands and saying the Lord's prayer and feeling like, okay, you know, this is really weird. I'm really not into God at all. This is weird, but okay. So I went away and then I think it was after that was when I did the rep, the weight loss, weight gain, bottomed out. I was like, okay, I'm ready to go to OA. So I came in when I was 16, it was 1982. And, um, and uh, I was very willing because I had suffered a lot. I was miserable and humiliated. And I knew that I was powerless. And um, I got a sponsor right away. I started working steps and tools right away. So I was like, I've always been like a good student, right? <laughs> good student. So I came in and I was like, okay, boom, I'm, I'm on this, you know, stopped eating sugar, probably white flour. You know, I didn't eat sugar for like four years. And I had like really clean abstinence. Like I got abstinent right away. And um, I, I kind of turned my will in my life over to the care of the program. And um, I had some amazing sponsors um, and uh, there was no other literature besides AA literature at the time. And, um, and I loved AA literature and I still do. I, I still haven't even really read the Brown book. Like I, I find that the AA literature um, is so accurate and so powerful for me that, that um, um, that's all that I need. That's all that I needed. And um, my, one of my first sponsors had me do something called the Westminster Writings, which are this series of writings where you are doing readings in the AA big book and the 12 and 12, and you're doing writings on them. And it really kind of like integrated the program into me. So I'm going to try to fast forward here. So, um, so that was kind of the beginning of my recovery and healing in my life, really, you know, um, you know, I think it was four or five years after I came into OA, I got into SLAA because another one of my addictions was obsessive compulsive obsession with uh, objects, love objects, you know, um, objectifying myself, you know, trying to get love through self-objectification, um, competing with other women. So like, I want to say like, Compulsive reading is just one of the facets of my whole thing that I call like addiction, right? That I have all these different ways that I um, can default to coping with my original traumas or the deficits in attachment. You know, my, mo my mother did not really, I did not have a secure attachment relationship. Um, I've heard it said in, in psychology that addiction is an attachment relationship. It's a secure attachment relationship, right? I need attachment and it's there for me all the time. It's very reliable, you know? When I need soothing, it's there for me. Okay, five minutes? Okay, 
so, um, you know, but I, you know, I left the program. Okay. So I was focusing on my SLA recovery. I kind of, you know, depending on like, uh, I, I just like go where the fire is the biggest. <laughs> so it's like, I've kind of like bopped all over like different fellowships. Like, so that includes SLAA. Um, I went to Incest Survivors Anonymous at one point because um, there was some weird boundary stuff uh, with my alcoholic father. Um, I went to um, Codependence Anonymous because there was rampant codependence. Um, uh, I left the program for a while because I needed to um, find out that I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. <laughs> and um, because I had, you know, I had been going to like, when I started going to OA meetings, there weren't a lot of OA meetings. So I was going to AA meetings, right? And so I was like, oh, okay, right. This is part of my recovery. Don't, don't use drugs. Don't drink, right? Okay, I was down for that. And then there came to a point where like, it's like, you know, I don't really know why I don't need to do that. Like, that's not part of my experience. I'm just doing that because other people were doing that. I need to find out why I need, you know, what's the deal for me with drugs and alcohol. So I found out you know um and what else um now i'm in a program so i'm i'm uh, my partner's a recovering sex addict and i'm in a program for like al-anon for people who are affected by sex addiction so i have a whole i have a whole syndrome about controlling other people being a co-addict you know so it's like basically there's all these different ways that addiction can make my life unmanageable. And see, that's the, the thing there is like, well, I can, I can do things like I don't have like a perfect recovery, right? But it's like, am I acting out in ways that make my life unmanageable? Like, you know, just for today, I'm not, you know? Um, and um, so, um, so I just want to add that, um, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, Lately in my, in my recovery, what I'm working on is kind of changing my thinking. I've been doing a lot of work these past few years about my conscious contact with my higher power. So um, I found a spiritual community, which dovetails really beautifully with 12-step programs. And um, the purpose in my spiritual path is my spiritual evolution, right? And also part of my spiritual path is cleaning my heart, right? And so, and this, just like in the 12-step program, this is like cleaning house, cleaning house, having a relationship with my higher power. Now, I have been a very God-avoidant person. I still am a little freaked out when I hear myself talk sometimes, and when I talk about God, I'm like, oh man, like there's a part of me that's just like, I do not like that, right? I don't like that. And I've actually come to understand that like, wow, you know, it's actually kind of one of my defects, this closed-minded, like anti-God thing. Like, what is that? Where did that come from? You know, and I've actually been able to examine that, you know? So examination and correction and cult and living from a place where I am really walking a spiritual path. I am practicing these principles in all of my affairs, right? 
and I'm doing service, right? I'm really like, so my spiritual community and that spiritual path is really a lot about step 12. It's a lot about step 10. It's a lot about step 11, you know, and it's pretty rigorous. Um, and, um, but it, it really, it has really helped me work my steps, this other spiritual community, right? And it is part of, it's incorporated in my step work, you know, so it's very much, they're very intertwined for me. And um, I, so I've been actually changing my thinking about like, well, instead of feeling like some kind of self-pity or feeling like um, I'm victimized by my addictions, I'm now trying to see if I can see that as like, you know what, maybe my higher power gave me my addictions. My addictions saved me from a lot of suffering as a child, you know, adaptation, right? Okay, I'll wrap up. But like, you know, maybe my addictions are a way that my higher power is like gathering me, right? My higher power has like, it's a gift to have a fire under my ass, right? For my own spiritual evolution. Because if I didn't have that, would I have you guys? Would I have all of these fellowships? Would I have these tools? I am blessed. I am blessed, like ridiculously blessed. Like if I need something, I can reach out and I can get it, you know, and it is, and that is cause for gratitude. So, um, so I thank you all for being here and I am grateful for this meeting and I love hearing all of you guys share every week. I am blessed by all of you guys. Thank you.